This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 56. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. Now, if you haven't had a chance to already, then head over to our website at EnvisionSelfHealing.com and you'll see a free ebook there that will give you some of the essential eye exercises and ideas on how you can start improving your eyesight today. The topic of the week this week is an overview of a book called The Brain That Changes Itself. And in the question of the week, we have a a viewer on YouTube who says that when he looks at a letter, he can see more clearly, see the words more clearly, whereas if he looks at the whole word, it's blurry. So Richard, how's the world of self-healing been treating you this week? Well, I've I've taken off on a little adventure. Um, This uh, goes back to wanting to learn to drive, Mm -hmm. which kind of got put on hold when I bought a house almost a year ago. I started looking for a house. And they're just finishing all the landscaping uh, this coming week. So it has almost been a year of essentially, you know, I'm working on my eyes, but putting off that goal uh, because I had to create a house. So anyway, so I'm back on my uh, track to learn to drive. Okay. And uh, this is something that uh, our mentor, Mayor Schneider, Mm -hmm. recommended to me several years ago as a way of getting used to driving which was to get a bicycle, and in particular, he thought I should get an electric bicycle, to get out on the road on a bicycle and just experience uh, the, 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 get the experience of driving in traffic and things like that as if you were a car okay. on a bicycle. So I just started uh, researching bicycles for the city. So Okay. I was yeah. going to say, not pretending to make car noises at the, <laughs> at the same time. Or... Yeah, yeah. just get out there and do the beep, beep, and then turn the wheel. <laughs> So uh, that's, a, that's a great idea. I never yeah. thought about that because um, uh, Mir Schneider, or mentor and um, friend, he uh, obviously used to be blind and now he drives a car. Right. Not very well, but yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he sort of um, obviously taught himself to, to be able to drive that way and a lot of it right. was through riding his bike and, and I guess getting that motion of the movement from the side. Well, a lot of it I think is, is learning to, you come to an intersection, you look this way, you look at the signal, you look at the stop sign, and you're only traveling, you know, at most 15 to 20 miles an hour, hopefully not through the intersection at that pace on a bike. Mm-hmm. So you learn the mechanics of looking around and lane changing and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm, I, yesterday I went and looked at, uh, there's, San Francisco is full of bike stores and really innovative and creative bike stores. I found one with a city bike that's very lightweight and you get to pick its color and the rim, you know, the tire color. It's very, very designery kind of bike <laughs> and very lightweight, but it's, a, you know, it's only a one speed and I live on a steep hill, as you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, eh, I'm probably not going that direction. So I'm, I'm leaning towards this electric bike okay. uh, that has some power. So I'll sort of be in between mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I think I'm going to take some, uh, safety lessons as if I was sort of taking driving lessons but with the bike. Oh, that's a good idea. I think I, I had to do a license uh, proficiency or, or yeah. something uh, when I was a kid. Um, yeah. So I, wonder, I don't know whether you have to do that. You don't. You don't. Okay. No. But um, this guy, I, I just happened to be electric bike store late 
yesterday evening, right as they were closing, there happened to be this two-hour bike safety lecture mm -hmm. by one of the top people in California who does who designs bike lanes and all of these things. Oh, okay. So it was very fortuitous, and I'll uh, probably get a lesson from him. He actually teaches, apparently teaches a lot of foreign immigrants who've come from other countries and, you know, they've never driven a car, they've never driven a bicycle, and they're learning all of these skills. Oh, so he teaches cool. classes for adults hmm. doing that. So I'll probably really try and do it right. Mm -hmm. And so, in some ways, just apply that knowledge to cars later on. Later so on. that's my... It's a good plan, yeah. 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 yeah, that was kind of one of we we talked a lot about goals at the beginning of this yeah. year, and that's kind of been one of your uh, long term, not necessarily this year, but yeah, a long term goal. I like yeah, that. yeah. So that's the, it's yeah, it's creating motivation now for me to really spend more time on my eyes. So. Smart. Yeah. And how was your week? Good. I uh, I finished my uh, last night. I celebrated my thirty day. All right. Challenge. Yeah. Um, my I, I did thirty day thirty sessions of yoga in thirty days. Bikram hot yoga. So I celebrated last night, and then I realised that I'd counted the days wrong. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get up last night. Oh. I had to do a double. I did. I had to do a bunch of double sessions this week. So right. I on. Uh, the beginning of the week, I did two double sessions, an hour and a half each, so that was three hours of, of hot uh, Bikram yoga. Yeah. And then I had to get up the next morning at like six o'clock in the morning to make the next uh, yoga session. Because, in time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah in the uh, deadline, yeah. Um, because, you know, obviously trying to fit in a full day's schedule. And then, so last uh, night, I did a double again, and my, my oh. plan was to, was to finish on this double in, in, in all this glory. It. Oh, and no. uh, and I started this the second one, and I started thinking about dates and how I and I was like, <laughs> no, maybe I've got this wrong. So I had to, I had to count back, and uh, so well, the computer has it all recorded too. So you, if you got it wrong, you would have been one yeah, short. Exactly. So oh. I wouldn't have done it. So I realized. So then I had to get up at six o'clock this morning. Oh, nice. Uh, when I get up at six, I had to do the session at six o'clock this morning. So it's okay because I'm already getting up and doing night exercises right, at five right. thirty in the morning. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So my my final moments this morning, and uh, I think I was pretty exhausted. Yeah. Um, but I got a nice little uh, round of applause from the the people really? in the room, no, and I uh, nice. finished in my thirty days a year. So I'm looking forward to getting my life back. Yeah. Um, a little bit, and it wasn't so much the yoga after the last. Um, couple of weeks and podcasts here, you, you know, those uh, listening will know that I've been talking about how um, being kind of a detective as far as doing the yoga is right. concerned and finding out any particular positions that, that might be causing any aches and pains so that I made sure that I either avoided or eased up in those, those kind of um, positions. And um, so the body stuff was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't really an issue. Uh -huh. uh, yoga is not really tiring. It's not like uh, I think Ashtanga yoga is more right. press ups and headstands and more aerobic and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So um, so that was fine. It was more the scheduling. Right. Trying to fit it in and probably keep got more exercise in. walking to the to, <laughs> yeah, the, to, yeah, the, to the yoga studio. It's a good twenty five minute walk. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty pretty exhausting. So I'm looking forward to having a couple of days of. I thought it was interesting because you know when you 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 reach these targets where you achieve something like this and mm. it's like, okay, where have I got in those 30 days? And I realized today that I still can probably only do about 75% of the positions still anyway. There's only mm. 26. 
So, um, so we really kind of uh, clued in after last week, the question of the week was talking about how uh, I've been doing eye exercises for, oh, a month, for a month, yeah, and I've not improved my eyesight. Uh, and it kind of made me realize that even with something as basic like with the muscles, so I still struggle to touch my toes after 30 days. You know, that's, a, that's like over 40 hours worth of yoga I've been doing. And that's about as good a stretching kind of program as you can <laughs> exactly. do. I suppose there are maybe some better ones. So, but I've improved, you know, yeah, it's yeah, sort of good exactly, now. Yeah. But it just, it kind of highlighted to me that, that uh, attitude of, um, well, I've done... X amount of exercise. Where's my, where's my benefits? Right. You know yeah. why? Why? Why aren't I a, a yogic master by now? Uh, after yeah. doing thirty days straight of right, yoga. and you kind of like, well, God, if I went once a week, it would be almost a year's worth of yoga. Or yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It sounds even worse. Yeah. Um, so, and and really, the larger muscle groups behave so much better than the eye. Yeah. Um, they're so much more simpler. They just contract and relax. That's kind of their job. They're easier to stretch and strengthen. Whereas the eye is so much more of a, a complex piece of uh, right. instrument. So, you know, the, it, it kind of highlighted, it certainly highlighted a little bit more to me and, and hopefully for our listeners that, you know, when working with the eyes, it really does take time. Um, and even like with myself, with yoga, I still can't do that stupid tree pose. I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> well, a, I'm still a shrub. Yeah. So, but you can imagine after 30 days, you. I should have that expectation, you know, I've been doing this for 30 days, I've been stretching, strengthening, why can't I do this pose? And it's similar to eye exercises, it just takes time, I just need to, it's not that I'm never going to get there, not that I'm never going to be able to do that that pose, um, or, or 25 of the, the other poses that I'm still struggling to do. Yeah. So, but it's just, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest things I noticed with the yoga actually is uh, improvement in my eyesight. Uh, and indeed, uh, what I was I've been talking about here the last few weeks of seeing the ceiling and, mm -hmm. and now the side posts. And um, mm. yesterday, I, I kind of got a concept of a few more people in the mirror uh, mm. in front of me, and the room had a bit more width to it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's been really interesting to watch. And I'm sure I'll talk a little bit more about that next week as we get a bit more involved. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a good time to move on to topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is a review of the book, The Brain That Changes Itself. And uh, the author of this book is Norman Doige, and uh, I was actually introduced to this book uh, by my father, who uh, heard about it in the UK and listened to it and, and said that it would be something I'd be interested in, and then I, I listened to it and, and passed it on to Richard. And it, it's really uh, high up there on our book recommendation list, and you might ask, well, you know, vision improvement, surely you should be talking about vision improvement books. Mm. But it's really, uh, it's a fascinating book about that kind of uh, paradigm shift in the idea that the brain is just this, this solid uh, matter that's unchangeable. Once we've learned something, yeah. um, that's it, it's stored in the brain and you, you can't do one way or the other. Or indeed, um, that it's just this, this static uh, motion or this this uh, inability to be able to change. Well, I mean, what we were all raised with, you you get the brain, you're born, well, I guess it grows through childhood, mm -hmm. and then it's basically set. Yeah. And that, so it's the same way they treat the eye, really. It mm -hmm. grows, it's like, well, okay, there's some flexibility when you're growing, and then it's set, and mm -hmm. that's it. You can't change it. 
So uh, the, the book really talks about uh, scientists that have, uh, have been doing some great discoveries over the last X amount of years on, on how the brain can actually change, hence the, uh, the title, The Brain yeah. That Changes Itself. Uh, and obviously uh, that you can learn new habits. And um, he also talks in that book uh, quite a bit about vision. Uh, he talks about being able to relearn and how even some uh, societies see better than other societies and how that makes sense yeah you know if if it's a bit more uh, inclined towards their job to do that then they're going to see clearer for it and there's also he talks about stroke patients and uh, many other examples in there about how um, they're finding people being able to access uh, new parts of the brain strengthen them in order to be able to learn new skills and indeed I guess a form of self-healing when you when you listen to yeah. people. So and then in general, this is called neuroplasticity. Mm. Uh, and the other examples I've heard is in your neck of the woods, London taxi drivers. Oh yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Who uh, they have to learn the the streets of London very very well. They're they're tested, mm -hmm. unlike some cities <laughs> where they just push most, their GPS. Most, you know, most cities. Most cities. <laughs> so and they've looked at these brains. Mm -hmm. and discovered that they grew the part of the brain that deals with spatial, you know, spatial knowledge, that they had a bigger part of that brain. Yeah. Um, there's many other examples of that. Um, even musicians have, you know, have grown different parts of their brain that yeah. other people don't have. So. And they, they, they did some um, testing uh, through with some animals and also humans and just kind of getting an idea of what parts of the brain are and moving and, and whatnot. And he has this phrase that he says, um, those that fire together, wire together. So if you're firing off two responses at the same time, then that's gonna kind of uh, solidify in, in the brain. Right. So people talk about, uh, I guess you could say, every time you hear um, a bell and that has a positive effect, just like Pavlov's dogs, Yeah then that's where that connection of that, that response is coming through and you're going to dedicate part of the brain to that. So what's so nice about this, indeed, it really, I found that it really connects in with where we talk about using the dominant and non-dominant eye. Right, right. And um, if you think that you're, another phrase there that he uses is whatever you don't use, then you lose. So either use it or lose it. So if you're not using, let's say, your left uh, hand, then you're going to start getting a, a smaller, wherever that area of the brain is, you're going to start getting a smaller dedication of space, should we say. I think mm -hmm. Richard always has great analogies of the computer, like some sort of a, a oh, random right, memory right, space. Right, right. So you're going to start um, having less space being dedicated to the left hand. And because you're using the right hand more and more, then the, the hard drive or the brain is going to start dedicating more and more memory and space to the right hand. So there's kind of this uh, imbalance going on. Yeah, they even discovered that like uh, totally blind people, because they weren't using the visual cortex so much, but they were using touch to do braille, mm -hmm. that they actually started employing the visual cortex for touch instead. Wow. So if you... If you don't use it, you could be your brain could be saying, "Well, use that for something else." You know? so. Yeah, and if you think again on that example, if you think about how we kind of say that blind people might have a sixth sense or somebody yeah. 
um, yeah. you know, that their hearing is so much more in tune than other people or something. Exactly, sort of yeah. And same with other, uh, you know, I know with uh, deaf people, they tune a lot more into their periphery mm -hmm. and they kind of use that as, as their, their sensing around them. So there's this change here in the brain where um, if you tune into something a little bit more, then your brain's going to dedicate a little bit more space to it and you're going to be more efficient at doing that. Mm -hmm. So it makes more sense for the example of the dominant, non-dominant eye, how we talk about how you should obstruct uh, well, the stronger eye. Um, because if it's your stronger eye, then you're going to be using that more and more, so you're dominating with it throughout the day. So the brain is then dedicating more space to that, and uh, you're overusing it, it becomes your favoured eye. Mm -hmm. So by balancing the two eyes, by obstructing that stronger eye, by doing other exercises that maybe the peripheral vision or the Melissa exercise, then you're helping bring balance to that and it's also happening within the brain. Yeah, and this this goes back to our uh, something we've said over and over is that the vision is a lot in the brain, some in the eye and a lot in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that you then need to deal with you know how your brain is functioning in your vision. And that's, you're right, in, in like the Melissa, there's so many issues, it's like, there's the center versus the periphery. Is the brain focused more on the center and ignoring the periphery? Is the brain uh, just seeing two separate images and not fusing them together and not using that brain power to fuse them together? There's so many things that can affect your vision that way. And it's a nice reminder that we see with the brain, not the eyes. Yeah. And uh, it takes quite a while for us to get our brains around it, excuse the pun. Um, but the, the eye's job is to receive light mm -hmm. um, and then it gets transmitted into uh, electricity where it goes to the brain and then that's where the seeing process comes in. Right. So the more we can exercise the brain in vision, then the better vision we're going to have. So say for example with the distance looking exercise for, far, uh, for nearsightedness and we talk about how part of it is... Um, half the school of thought is, is that you're changing the shape of the eye. But then the other half is that you're exercising the brain and you're getting the brain to be to adjust, to see clearer further in the distance. So just going on and, and listening yeah. to this book, and we, we highly encourage uh, everyone to, to try and listen to it and, and get bit more of an idea and you'll understand what we're talking about here. Obviously, we can't fit a full review in a, in a, yeah, a yeah. small uh, podcast like this, but we wanted to bring our audience attention to it. But you can see then if, if the brain is adapting and improving and, and tuning in to whatever we're using it and being specific with whatever we put our attention to, then you can see by doing the distance looking exercise and shifting in the distance, then that's going to train the brain in order to see clearer at that point yeah. in time. And this is where we, you know, when we say, how are the exercises working? We were always dealing with stigmatism and distance looking, like you say. We're always stuck with like, well, is it the structure of the eye that's changing or is it the brain that's changing? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to tell when your vision is improving, which part of that yeah. uh, two-part formula mm -hmm. is changing. But honestly, we don't care. You know? <laughs> yeah, as long as it works. Yeah, we don't, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the neuroplasticity uh, discoveries they've made at least lends us uh, credence to like, okay, you could be doing these eye exercises and not changing your structure of your eye at yeah. all. Mm -hmm. But your brain is changing yeah. and getting and seeing better just through your brain. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, I guess for myself, um, this this concept has really helped me because of my retinitis pigmentosa. 
where I kind of have that uh, lack of uh, peripheral field of vision, it was such a big concept to me, the idea of being able to tune my brain into my surroundings right. and into my periphery. And uh, I've applied that so much to my exercises now and so much of what I've been talking about here, just like with the yoga, um, of watching uh, the ceiling and the pillars and, and as I move up and down, noticing movements there. I probably might not have tuned into that as much if it hadn't have been for this book because for me, the idea that if you tune into it, then you're really engaging the brain with the world around you. So even if it's a weaker aspect of your vision or anything in life, by applying that attention to it, trying to spend more time, then you're allowing more of those connections to the brain. You're getting more space there inside that, that hard drive. Yeah. And it means that you're gonna be more efficient in that area. And that really, again, lends towards why it's gonna take time uh, to yeah. do this because you're you're growing new cells in the brain, your uh, new neurons, yeah. uh, and you're trying to make sense of it all. This this is you know especially for myself, this is a new uh, world. You know, tuning into this periphery and then learning how to function in it and trying to stop the brain from switching off because it's not as good and as efficient as my central vision. And I could explain in some ways why sometimes when vision improves, we're a, we're a little overwhelmed by it because mm -hmm. it is sort of a brain rewiring yeah. thing. You know, it's almost shaking to your sense of who mm -hmm. you are because your your brain is rewiring. And I, and I we really feel with this as well, especially when we work with our clients. Is 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 it kind of comes when the individual is ready? Yeah. Um, and both for mis uh, emotionally and physically, you know, everything. Yeah. Is in, is in place and when you start seeing those flashes of clear vision then it's kind of that indication um, that you're moving in the right direction yeah, yeah. and that you're kind of kind of ready for it so yeah. um, so plenty of implications there from that book again Norman Doidge uh, the brain that changes itself and uh, it's uh, it's highly enjoyable there's a few more uh, things in there about vision as well that uh, everyone's going to enjoy and you also see that it will apply to lots of other things uh, in your life as well. I know for myself, he talked about how a guy was in uh, prison uh, for like eight years in a, in a, what was it? It was like a prison camp. Yeah. And uh, he was in solitary confinement that whole time. Mm -hmm. And the only way he kept saying was that he learned to visualize a, a chess game. All right. Yeah. A board, a board, uh, a board what's it? Uh, yeah, chess, chess board. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he was able to play as both, both players. Sides. Goodness. and hold this in his brain so this this is how so that to me it was just I was like wow it just and I struggle with mental arithmetic <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it just goes to show the capacity and the yeah. ability that we have there in the brain so it's a nice little reminder of, of our true capabilities yeah. uh, if we put our minds to it excuse the pun or put yeah. our brains to it and, um, and really exercise the brain as well as exercising the eyes Okay, great. Well, I think that's a good time to move on to question of the week. And the question of the week this week comes from a viewer who has noticed that when he looks at individual letters in a sign, he can read it clearly. But then when he looks at, when he tries to look at it as a whole word, it seems a little blurrier and he can't quite read it. So uh, I guess the original aspect of, of this question kind of goes back to Bates really, where he talks yeah. about central fixation right. 
Uh, do you want to explain a little bit? Or? Yeah. So um, one of the base, one of the major problems he saw in the way people use their eyes, uh, he described it as he wants people want to see everything clearly all at once, and everything should be clear all at once. And that's kind of the way we try. And, if you're reading a sign, you go, "I want to read that sign," mm -hmm. and it should all be clear at once. And so uh, you you don't do. Um, a basic function of the eye, which is called shifting, which is moving your, your macula, the very small area of the retina that sees detail, from detail to detail. So when you're forcing your eye to see, I see that all clear, mm -hmm. it's a strain because mm -hmm. you're not using the eye naturally. And that natural movement, shifting from detail to detail, is called central fixation because you're, you're focusing on that central point. And you can look up, uh, it's called saccadic movements, and um, that's, that's that, that quick movements of the eye moving from place to place to place. And what it's doing is it's moving that clear uh, part of your visual field, only about 1% of the retina, 3% of, of your whole vision. Uh, and that's kind of where our HD, um, right. our high definition uh, viewing is. That's where we have double layers of cones where we pick up clearer than faster signals that to go to the brain so you actually see better. So what we want to do is we want to move that from place to place to place and then the brain puts together it as a clear image. Yeah, it's sort of like if you had a high resolution but very telephoto camera, you know, the telephoto mm -hmm. lens and you moved it around and then put it all together in your computer screen mm -hmm. and then you'd have one whole image that would be clear. But and that's sort of what our brain and our memory does is we move it around get a lot of clear pieces and then our brain kind of fools us into thinking we're seeing yeah. the whole thing clearly. And this takes a bit of uh, time, but without your glasses, it, it, it doesn't take too long yeah. um, to start to see this. You can maybe look at uh, a landscape or a tree. Notice that what you're looking at is, is pretty clear. Some of the leaves have a bit more detail, but the leaves around it might be slightly grainier uh, and not as crisp and clear as what you're looking at in your central vision right. and then move to a different leaf or a different part of the tree and notice that what you're looking at is then clear and where you were looking at before then becomes slightly grainier and not as clear and that is that's that central fixation moving from place to place to place well and to get back to his point was when you don't do that when you when you sort of stare at something and expect it all to be clear at once you're straining your visual system mm -hmm. and you'll see worse you'll see, and that's what most of us do all the time do, we don't do this moving around natural thing because partly our environment coaxes us to stare at things like signs and information and computer screens and books. Yeah, if, I mean, if you think about reading, it's just head forward, computer head forward, writing, everything is just forward, forward, forward. And uh, you notice when you start reading about saccadic movements uh, and how the eyes are meant to be moving rapidly all over the place and you think about again this this kind of lends back to the uh, to the ebook on our website the modern mm. day guide from proving eyesight where we talk about caveman dave and how back in the day he would have been out in the wild and and naturally moving his eyes in all these different places right um in the in the distance and also near and if you compare that to us which in the book uh, we call him uh, modern day mike then uh, you can imagine the difference of just staring forward for many hours during the day and we try and take that principle out into the rest of the world around us. So if we're just staring, our vision is, is poorer because we don't have that natural movement 
and we're not moving that detailed part of the eye from place to place to place. So we're kind of robbing ourselves of yeah. good vision there. And this guy basically discovered, sort of through his own experience, what we would suggest to someone. So if, they're, if they work too long, and well, actually we would probably suggest they palm or rest the eyes if they work too long. But if they, if they start getting a little blurriness in what they're looking at, say at their work, we would say do a shifting exercise. You'd have uh, our large and small print where you'd look at the smaller letters and that makes the, the bigger letters clearer. He was doing the same thing. He was shifting from, <laughs> he was shifting from staring to shifting mm -hmm. by looking at each individual yeah. letter. He was engaging the natural process of the eye and he, he thereby saw better. And before he was using the, the modern approach mm -hmm. and it wasn't working so well. So. And I, th I think that's a, that's a key point there as well as, as a secondary part of this question is that, uh, that he was seeing it in a relaxed way. Right. It wasn't this stare. Um, it was, it sounded like this person uh, has been working their way off their glasses. So there's that, uh, that anxiety and, and, mm. and frustration and, and, and all the rest of it in trying to see a sign and the sign wasn't clear. So what we tend to do is we try to stare at it even more right. <laughs> and try yeah. and will it into to clearness and yeah. then just hope that the more effort we put in, the clearer it gets. But ironically, it's the opposite. The more relaxed you are, the more you allow your eye to move naturally, just as what they did, they looked at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth letter, the eye progressively worked along in a nice relaxed way. It enabled that central fixation to occur, that direct line of sight, so it meant that the image was going straight to the fovea or the macula, the clear part of the back of the eye. So the images came in nice and clear and uh, they were able to see the sign. Yeah, and one, one last point is the, uh, when people talk about having a sparkle in your eye, this is what actually it is. It's you're moving, the person who has a sparkle in their eye are more relaxed and they're moving their eye in a natural way. Mm. And so that creates different reflections as the eye moves around. That's the sparkle in the eye. And they just have a more relaxed face because of all that. So that's it's another way of thinking about it. If your eye is moving around, you're not being neurotic. You actually have sparkle. So, so that means that that chat up line that I heard of is your dad a thief? And then they say no, and you say, well, he must have. He must be because he stole the stars from the sky and put them in your eyes. Oh, nice. So, so, but that means that we can actually use that, and you could just follow that line up with, and then explain the saccadic movement. Saccadic movement. You go into a bar and you approach a woman. You say, your saccadic movements are just stunning in your eyes. I think it will work. So now, so now we've got an explanation for that one. Fantastic. It's good line. All right, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you want to get a little bit more information on uh, vision improvement, uh, then head over to our website at envisionselfhealing.com. You'll find plenty of eye exercises over there for you to get working on and even some eye exercise programs to help get you in the right direction and what exercises you should start doing for your condition. As we previously mentioned, you could also get your hands on a free ebook called A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight. So just head over to the website and you'll see how you can get your hands on that as soon as possible. It's a direct download, so uh, no problems there. You can also uh, check us out on Twitter and indeed Facebook. Head over to Envision Self Healing. Just type that into Facebook and uh, it will send you straight over to us. Uh, and of course, if you uh, enjoyed uh, what Envision Self Healing and the information we have uh, to offer, then feel free to like the fan page and indeed share it with anybody else that you feel that could benefit. And indeed the same uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or iTunes, feel free to share it uh, with other people and indeed you can also subscribe 
and it means that you're going to get one of these uh, podcasts uh, sent to you every week. Okay, great. Well, good luck with your eye exercises, everybody, this week, and happy healing. And have a good week.